Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Laura, Laura Kelleher. Great to have you. Really looking forward to this conversation, Laura. Hi, it's wonderful to be here, Simon. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So Laura and uh, I spoke uh, a while ago um, uh, in our like normal pre, pre-interview conversation. And uh, we came up with this uh, theme about broadening our perspectives. And uh, that's important to you, Laura, because you, you said that you, you feel that uh, as a transracial adoptee, you, you, uh, you've, you, you're come from multiple worlds, right? You've got the exactly. Asian side and the American side. So, yeah, um, mul- that's got to be confusing, hasn't it? Multiple worlds. It can be a little bit confusing at times because people assume things about me because I'm Asian. And yet, because I grew up in a Caucasian household, I tend to see the world like most Americans do. Yeah. Um, So they're surprised by that, yeah? It surprises people because they, they hear me talking too, and they hear my name. And then they meet me and they the last thing they expect is to see someone Asian. They assume that they'll see someone who's Caucasian instead. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got such a lovely voice. It's really it's really soft. I love it. I love it. Thank you. You know, like when because it's been like probably four months since we spoke and and I've spoken to a lot of people uh, in that in that time when you came on uh, the Zoom just now before we hit record. And and then you open up. I I just it took me straight back, and I uh, and I it, it's such a it's you've got a great voice. You could you could do a great podcast. You've got a great voice for for podcast. <laughs> yeah. That would um, be lovely. Give you some competition. I'm just yeah. teasing you. Yeah. Well, there are lots of uh, there, there are quite a few. Are there some transracial adoptee uh, specialist kind of podcasts? We we welcome everybody on on this. Uh, on, on the show yeah yeah uh, yeah competition that's a good thing keeps keeps me on my guard right I <laughs> um i i think i had a big uh, awareness shift uh, shift on this for me before christmas when i realized that you know that I, i'm here with my listeners and my uh, i think i was at about 30,000 uh, listeners and some people with a lot bigger audiences and somebody said to me, uh, Ben, who's been on the on the show a couple of times, said, uh, "Don't confuse the quality of your impact, Simon, with the quantity of other people's impact." And I realised that I'm, I'm, I, I, I love what I do it, and I, I want to do it my way. To quote Frank Sinatra, I want to do it. Uh, I want to do it my way, and that's it's more important that I stay stay true to who I am than to, yeah. to chasing doing it in a different way staying yeah. true to yourself is vital I mean I feel like as an adoptee it definitely resonates with me because it's hard to find your identity sometimes when you're caught between worlds like we just mentioned yeah. but by staying true to yourself it just it makes you a stronger more whole individual yeah yeah so how did how did you did was that was that uh, was that learning that uh, that perspective was that a, a hard thing to get to did that take you a long time is it something that you felt 
came fairly easily. What? How did that happen for you? That realization. It, it took a really long time to to feel like I was whole in my own skin because I always wanted to be somebody else. I wanted to be my parents' child. I wanted to look like them. I wanted to be like them. I wanted to talk like them, and that wasn't me. Yeah. You're saying So, that with a smile on your face now, but <laughs> I, I understand it wasn't. because But I realized that I am my own person now and I'm comfortable in my own skin and I'm, I'm happy to be who I am. I wouldn't want to be somebody else. yeah. And was was there something? Was a specific situation? Do you do you remember feeling that for the same? For the if, do you remember feeling that for the first time? Was there a particular experience that led led to that realization for you? I recall when I was in college, I was on my own for the first time and I started making lots of friends and I started becoming my own individual. And that really changed my perspective. I took a class, a Korean class, and I met a lot, a lot of half Korean people who primarily took that course. And I got to spend time with them and I got to learn about my heritage. And I also got to see that I was different because I had a different experience growing up than them. And that really helped me solidify who I am in contrast with who they were. Yeah. So do you think it was that, uh, do you think the, the freedom of being away, because you were away at college, yeah? Yeah, I was, I was away. I went to another state. Went to another state. So was that kind of freedom from your, from, um, from home, was that kind of like a, a door opening for you to, to experience this stuff? Oh, it was because I grew up in a really small town. There were very few people. It was very sheltered. It was New England. And after that, when I went to Arizona, there were people from all over the country. It was a huge school, thousands and thousands of people. I mean, the school was like 10 times bigger than my hometown, Wow. just, just the college kids. So I really got a chance to explore who I was, to meet different types of people, to compare and contrast myself with all different types and to be able to say, no, this is who I am. Yeah. Did you have um, a, a mentor that helped you get that or was it your friends or did you just come to that realization yourself? How did you? I actually came to the realization on my own, just, just through my experiences. Yeah. And it was, it was a culmination of everything. It, it wasn't like there was one definitive epiphany moment where I could say, Oh, this is what changed me. It was it was more like a gradual happening through taking different classes. I studied philosophy. I learned about the world. I learned about myself. I learned about other people. And that really helped me come to a realization of who I was as a person. Wow. So it's gradual, yeah? Cumulative, I like the word. Cumulative, it was Yeah, a, definitely it was a... cumulative. Yeah. Were, were there any moments that stand out for you looking back on this? I would say looking back on it, I went to a party with a number of Korean kids, Korean Americans that were half Korean for the most part. And we ended up eating food and talking and everyone was so generous and kind and giving. And I was like, wow, this is, this is what being Korean is about. This is about giving. This is about loving. This is about sharing. 
Because when I went to Korea and and looked for my birth family, I felt kind of a coldness there. I didn't feel like I fit in. But when I was among the Korean Americans, I was like, wow, I fit in with these people. There's a place here where there are people who are also like me, and they're very, very caring people. And that really affected me. Yeah. Yeah. What What do you think it was? About I think it was just how generous everybody was. Because when Americans throw parties, everybody's expected to bring their own and, you know, bring your own beer, bring your own food, bring your own everything. But when the Korean people threw a party, it was like everything was given by the host. They supplied everything. They shared everything. And it was just natural that you shared and that you gave and contributed to the group. And that that really made me feel like, wow, Korean society is cool. People are really giving here and caring. Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess if those people were uh, half Korean, mm-hmm. then they, they, to a certain extent, mirrored you in terms of, they were obviously, uh, they were, yeah, you, you talked about being in two worlds. They, they mm-hmm. were in two worlds as well. Exactly. Probably even more so because a lot of them spoke bits of Korean at home and bits of American English, and so rather than your kind of English, British English. Yeah. Yeah. It fascinates me as a, as a white guy adopted by white parents that you know they i have i have no lived experience of this and yet i've spoken to a lot of transracial adoptees and they talked about that that confusion the pull of the different the pull of the different um cultures um and they often talk about uh feeling feeling one way feeling american but looking asian so there's that it, it it's got to be confusing and they also often talk about um being treated differently so you you know you you said that you grew up in a in a in a in a small town with not a lot lot of people um so they kind of there's there's three things they uh they 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 feel different um because as as adoptees they look different and they also get treated differently. Exactly. It's like a triple whammy. It's a triple whammy. Um, And it sounds as if what you're saying is it's those perspective shifts that help you deal with the triple whammy. Exactly. Because growing up, there wasn't a lot of different perspective to see. I mean... There was me and my younger brother, and we were the only Asians. There weren't other people who looked like us. There weren't other people from our world. And so we always stood out, especially in such a small town. We were were the outsiders. We we didn't really fit in the way that everyone else did, whose parents were Caucasian. But at the same time, since our family was Caucasian, we didn't have another language. We didn't have another culture. We shared in the language and culture of the people around us. Yeah, and a lot of people say um, transracial adoptees have said to me that they feel like 
they they feel they didn't fit in 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 the um in their own community. So I the chance ratio I adopt you from the from Asian uh, an Asian woman who was brought up in England. Lots of people, uh, lots of Korean and um, Chinese people brought up in America. They feel that they didn't fit in in America, but then when they went back home, they didn't. They were they were too. They, they didn't fit in there either because they were seen as American or Canadian or a British when they go back. So they're kind of like caught in a no man's no man's exactly. Land. I had I had this idea that when I visited Korea that everything would be perfect, that I would fit in, that everyone would be exactly like me, um, that I would finally be home, basically. And I wrote a lot about this in my book because when I got back there, I didn't fit in at all. I didn't speak the language. People looked at me strangely. I was much taller than everybody else, probably because I grew up on an American diet. I was a different size. I I didn't have I didn't know Korean. I didn't Yeah. Didn't feel dressed like all. American. You probably dressed like American as I well. I dressed like an American, exactly. I didn't dress the way they they did. Um they they had umbrellas and they valued having very pale skin. I was yeah. somewhat suntanned, so I was much darker than everyone I saw. It was yeah. it was quite an experience because I was expecting people to be very harmonious and very kind and they pointed and laughed at me because I looked different wow. it was it was it was quite alarming yeah, yeah. um we that suntan thing is a, a, an interesting one because um in um I, I remember going to so my mum and dad uh, my dad was in the uh, did national service in the in the uh, the air force in here in the UK and one one of the places that he got posted to was an island called Malta, which is in in the Mediterranean, kind of off southeast of Sicily. And in 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 Malta, if you are uh, if you are an aristocrat in Malta, you have pale skin and you stay out of the sun because it's it, it's the, the the people that work on the farms or the um, the people that work uh, on the beach these days, or the people that work in the um, uh, in in the uh, the builders, like the work, so they're the ones with the towns. So the aristocracy, uh, such as it is that the, the posher people, the posher people are pale, and having having a tan is a sign that you work outside, which is not a good thing, you know, from from in in that social strata. I think this was a few years ago, so maybe it's changed since then. But yeah, uh, it's an interesting point about the um, the the Western look. You know, like here, it's you know you you you've gone away, so you can afford to go away on holiday. You can have us in the sunshine because we don't get a lot of sun here in the UK. So interesting thing, right? So did you go to did you go to Korea? Um, yeah, that must have been after you were at college, then, was it, or before? It was actually my second year of college that I went to Korea. So it was right during college. Ah, right. Okay. And that was part of the course then, was it? No, I went in search of my biological mother. Right. So I went with I went with my adopted parents. Right. And we, we went there for two weeks. And we met my biological mother and my biological sisters. Wow. 
Wow. And are you still in touch with them? I am not. I tried to reach back out to them and there was no way to get a hold of them. Tricky. So it was it was really sad that I couldn't get back in touch with them. Yeah. But meeting them, I felt I felt strange because we had a lot of the same mannerisms and we had we looked very similar. I mean, we had similar facial structures and similar mannerisms. And I never met anybody else who had yeah. who had that. It was really, um, really eye-opening for me. It was amazing to see, wow, there's other people that are just like me genetically. Yeah. Yeah. And how did that, how, how did that feel? Was there an a, electric moment when you first saw her or what, what was that like? When I first saw them, there was confusion because I was a good head taller than them from growing up on an American oh. diet. So I almost didn't recognize them. And that, but they were the only people that were there at the train station yeah. waiting. Yeah. So I knew it was them and they knew it was me. And we looked at each other in confusion because we didn't quite recognize each other. And then we, there was like a moment when we recognized each other and we started hugging. And that was, that was pretty much the electric moment after yeah. the first initial confusion. Yeah. Wow. Who'd have, who'd have thought that a diet could make a, um, like six inches, eight inches of difference to the height of somebody. I'm, I've never heard that. I've, I've never heard that before. You're broadening my perspective here. Right? <laughs> it's pretty amazing what nutritious food could do. Yeah. Incredible. So um, how has, so there's all these different things going on, a pretty... Um, a, a lot of progress in, in 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 from college, in the summer vacation after the first year of college. I'm guessing when you went to Korea, yeah, in the in the summer vacation. And then, what was it like when you got back? Um, when you went back? when I went back, that was when I started taking Korean classes. Right. So I started learning a lot about Korean culture. A lot because our Korean teacher taught us not only the language, he taught us the culture, he taught us about the religions, he taught us about the societal expectations, he taught us a lot of different things. And it was, it really gave a framework and a perspective to what I learned while I was in Korea. Because yeah. I didn't understand why they were, why they were more hostile. And then I learned that there's a deep dislike of outsiders in Korean culture that it's a very homogeneous culture and there's not a lot of room for out for anybody who doesn't fit that mold, so to speak. Yeah. Cause there is that, um, I think when we don't understand people, I mean, I'm just thinking of stuff that I see on television, right. And, uh, in, uh, you, you see like the, there's a different way of speaking. Like you see, you see a uh, a cop show, uh, so we watched Blue Bloods. It's a terrible show with Tom Tom Selleck. <laughs> but um, when when you see that they're they're often you know not so the, one episode that I saw a few weeks ago there was um, that distrust of outsiders was very was very clear. So there would uh, the the cops are investigating um, some some problem that had gone on and 
all the Korean people were saying that they don't they don't speak English. When they did, but they just they knew <laughs> the toppers weren't going to speak Korean, right? So they, it was the, their way of closing them out. There was that 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 distrust, and they wanted to solve the the challenge that was going on within their own community. And then there was, um, so there was the the yeah diff, and then the the younger kids were more Western in their way than their the parents, and it kind of, but a, a lot of the the way that they you talked about hostility the way that they kind of spoke to one another in um in this chinese um uh, society and you know like a um, part of part of new york it's quite it was quite lot lot quite shouty yeah i didn't quite get that from the korean language it was more there was a lot of dishonesty because we spoke through a translator and the translator would ask questions and you could tell by the body language that they weren't giving honest answers. Well, so the, it was one of the... You could, t you could, t you could tell that, was, but was the translator making it up to be different to what they said? No. No, the translator was, was pretty honest. She was sent to us from the adoption agency. So we knew that she was, she was also a social worker. Um, so she was really trying to get good information for us. But what was happening is she would ask questions and they would respond. But the body language clearly indicated that they weren't telling the truth. Right. So it was it was really uncomfortable because we knew we were being lied to, but we couldn't say you were lying because um, that just wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't be would. appropriate. Yeah. So um, how did... Uh, you, you talked about when you went back to, um, to to college after the trip to Korea, um, you got a deeper understanding of the culture from the from the teacher. What 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 impact did that have on you, um, in in terms of your um, your your sense of your, yourself and your uh, emotional security, your kind of like the identity stuff? How how did that how did that how did that what you learn change the way um, you felt about yourself? Um, it made me feel better because I realized it wasn't just me. It was a cultural thing that there wasn't a lot of openness to outsiders. Because I thought maybe it was something wrong with me, like they just didn't like me, that they just didn't accept me. But I realized then that it was systemic. It wasn't, it wasn't personal. <laughs> yeah. So that made me feel a lot better. I think looking back on it, if I had taken some of the language and culture classes before I went to Korea, I think I would have been much better equipped to be there and to understand what was going on than having just gone without having a lot of background. Yeah. yeah. And did you, you said that you're not in touch with your, your birth mom now. Did, did, you, did you speak to them uh, after you'd been or... Or, or was I did. We talked on the phone a few times, but they their expectation was, I guess there's a lot of popular shows in Korea that show um, adoptees reuniting with their parents, renouncing their life in America, moving back to Korea and being very happy. So there was the expectation that I was going to come back and stay wow. with them. And 
I wasn't well, prepared for that. Yeah. Um, how did you become aware of that expectation? Through the actually, it was through the taxi driver. He was talking about, oh, I see this on on TV all the time when you guys get reunited and then you stay here. And... Wow, isn't that strange? Isn't it amazing? Isn't it that is amazing. amazing. Isn't that amazing? Because we we uh, it, it, we always look as adoptees. We look through our perspective, don't we? Uh-huh. And we, we, we look at our perspective or we would look at the we would think about the the uh, the perspective of us adoptees or of us British adoptees or as American adoptees. We would look at it from our perspective. We would never think, oh right, they're that you know, we're all concerned about so many adoptees are concerned about, you know, um the way that the adoption agencies here work in the UK and with the UK or the US or whatever, but we, we, we but we wouldn't, we don't think about. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but you know, ah, oh, right. So their view is that after reunion, the people move back. Wow. Yeah, because it's on it's on their popular TV show, yeah. so they think that that's what happens. That's, that's the way that that's the way it goes. Isn't that amazing? Do you talk about this in your book, Laura? I do somewhat. I talk about what it was like there. I talked about how I considered trying to move there for a bit of time, not permanently, but maybe I could move there and teach English and yeah. help out the family because they didn't have a lot of money, those sorts of things. But ultimately, my language skills in Korea never became good enough to be able to to move there, I don't think. Ah, uh, wow. And also I realized somehow going there made me realize that I still belong here in America. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But without all this exploration, you wouldn't have known, eh? No, I would have always felt like an outsider. Yeah. And then I started to realize that I'm as an American as anyone else who's, who grew up here. Yeah. And did you go to the course, did you go to university in Arizona because of this um, course that they had? Was that the... I honestly went because it was so diverse and so big. I'd never seen so much diversity and I'd never seen so many students and people my age in one place. It's a huge school, 50,000 plus kids. Wow. Yeah. And so I love the idea of freedom. I didn't like... I didn't want to stay in New England where it was small and primarily Caucasian. I went to Arizona where it was large and there were all different types of ethnicities of people. And it was yeah. really wonderful because I got to meet all different types of people and it really brought in my perspective of, you know, my idea of what it was to be an American changed. Yeah. Because there, all these different people were American and yet they were from different backgrounds they're from different places, but they all shared yeah. they all shared the culture of America. Yeah. I, I've got I've got to say this is a little bit of a strange thing, but the um the so the first time I went to um to America on business, um I we were in Seattle. It was, a, it was an education conference in Seattle. 
and I, I, I was the only Brit there, right? So, uh, but they were from all different parts of of, uh, of America, um, probably like your school. And the first thing they started talking about was the weather in their state compared to the weather in the state. <laughs> um, I, that was the first thing. Um, I, I thought it was just British people that that made small talk by by talking about the weather, right? Uh, and uh, very fascinated by the weather. I thought it was. I thought that was a British thing, and then I realised that. Obviously, America is a lot bigger than the States. The, the 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 discrepancy, the difference between the weather in the States is bigger because it's just a bigger country. So there's actually more to talk about in America if you've got people coming in from all the different states um, than, than in the UK because we're only like 400 miles from top to bottom. So um, a bit more than that, maybe 600 per time. Anyway, I, that's an aside. Um so uh you you, you you that was a conscious decision to to go big to escape the small town small town bike. exactly yeah so a lot of people would say well that's you moving out of your comfort zone i guess but you felt it was i moved completely out of my comfort zone i and i felt comfortable in the bigger environment i liked that it was a more urban environment. Yeah. Yeah. And I really, really just appreciated being able to meet so many different types of people from so many different places. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you said uh, Arizona, I was, I was slightly taken aback. I thought that's a long way. Because when I was a student, I only, I, I was like a, an hour and a quarter drive on a, on a good day. So that meant that I could, um, come home and uh, see my friends, actually, when I wanted to, and also get my washing done. Right, so that was <laughs> <laughs> that was the thing. I was thinking, New, you know, Arizona to New uh, to to New England, or New England to Arizona. That's got to be like a eight hour a plane flight. Yeah, so a plane flight. Yeah, I wouldn't have been able to come home and get my washing done. Um, no. So uh, <laughs> yeah, the broadening of perspectives. So how has the broadening, how has your perspective shifted since the uh, since leaving college? Where do, where do you live well, now? Where do you live now? I live in Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. And Los Angeles is very diverse. There's people from all over. There's even a Korea town. And I love being in Korea town. I love going to H-Mart. I love being able to immerse myself in, in somewhat of in the American Korean culture yeah. um, because it's different than being in Korea. It's everyone in like say Koreatown is more Americanized and there's not the distrust and the hostility towards strangers yeah. or outsiders. Yeah, yeah. That feels so like it's... a safe place, yeah. So that's that is... That is the it is American Korean, yeah. It's American Korean, exactly. So there's people like me, and then just being here among so many people from different cultures and different places in LA, it's like I fit in because everybody's from somewhere else, pretty much. Yeah. It's one of those places where everyone comes here from all around the country and all around the world. So it's like a huge melting pot. You know, they say America is a melting pot. Los Angeles truly is one. And you get comfortable 
being yourself because everybody is just themselves because there's there's nobody there to judge you and say that you should be this way it's more it's very accepting here yeah a more enlightened accepting culture yeah exactly so has this just deepened your sense of comfort then, would you say? Definitely. I, f I feel like I belong here. I don't, I'm not afraid to go places with the fear that somebody might judge me or might talk down to me just because I look different. I don't, I don't have that living in Los Angeles. And how long have you lived there, Laura? I've lived here for 10 plus years. So quite a while. So last time we um, we spoke, you also talked about um, the the uh, 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 you talked about authenticity from another perspective, and um, uh, you were talking about uh, that that you you see uh, our our spirit of who we are as as pure and. Um, perfect and you kind of you contract you compare and contrast that against like phonyism like feeling feeling phony wanting to be so can you tell us a little bit more about that well i believe that we're all pure and perfect deep down our spirits are it's only life that taints us so to speak yeah only that's a big only right <laughs> it's a big only. yeah because we're more alike than different and deep down we're all humans we're all part of the same race we're all part of the same part of we're all part of the same world basically and a lot of the things on the surface that we see the color of our skin the mannerisms the accents those are on the surface deep down we all have the same desires we all want to be happy we all want to love. We all want to have joy. You know, we all we all have these things. We're all trying to live our best lives. Yeah. And that transcends being adopted. And it transcends, you know, one specific culture and just being part of that. Yeah. How have you got to that? What's helped you see that? Um growing up <laughs> I was I was immature when I was younger I only saw things from my point of view and I thought that everybody saw things the same way I did and then as I got older I realized that people truly do see things differently and that you can see things from other people's perspectives not just your own yeah and that really helped ground me and it really helped me get it, it really helped me see things differently. I didn't, I stopped thinking of an us versus them mentality. Like this person doesn't like me and this person's racist and this person is this. And that's just an us versus them. At the end of the day, they're just, other people might be scared. They might not be familiar with other cultures or perspectives. And they need to look down and see that we all have the same wants and desires that we all that we're all part of the human family. And it made me sad now to see if someone has such a closed mind and yeah. closes themselves off to new perspectives and new and new people. 
you know, that's that's their problem. It's not my problem. Uh, so how, how do you think this this um, shows up in 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 our world as adoptees? This because that that um, harmony, for want of a better word, that you're kind of uh, alluding to there. Um, we don't. There's there's not, there's not a lot of harmony, is there in in the adopt some of the adoptee spaces I'm thinking about Facebook in particular. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of harmony there, is there? So, no, there's there's a lot of sadness, there's a lot of rancor, but ultimately, I feel a kinship with other adoptees because people who are adopted tend to do a lot of soul searching. They tend to look and look deep more deeply into who they are as opposed to people who don't really question themselves or their place in the world. Yeah. So I feel like just being adopted in and of itself brings a much broader perspective to people. And it helps you relate to different people from all different walks of life. And it helps you helps you really understand who you are and be but after a lot of soul searching, the understanding that you have of who you are is much deeper than just saying, Oh, this is me, I'm here. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> there's a lot of depth to it. Depth, yeah. Yeah. How do you see that depth? How do I see that depth? In other adoptees, I see I see that desire to reach out, that desire to try to understand to 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 reach both out and in to look out into the world and to see that there's all different types of people and that you can relate to different types of people but you're not all this even though you're not the same and that looking inward of really exploring who you are and having a firmer sense of identity than someone who's never had to question themselves repeatedly yeah. there's a lot of wisdom here <laughs> there's a lot of wisdom here um I was, uh, I, I, as you were saying, I was thinking, you know, when you said, you know, race, we're all the same race. Uh, I was just thinking how much more we hear about racial prejudice, for example, mm -hmm. or racism, um, rather than the, uh, we're all one human race. Uh, the, the kind of things that you're talking about. I also had a, a bit of a strange feeling, Laura, um, in the sense that, um, yeah, that I was, we were talking that I might be, if I said something like that, that I wouldn't be allowed to say that um, because I'm a, a white guy. That's a weird, really weird thing. It is a weird thing to it think. Is <laughs> it is very weird. I and I, I was um, I was thinking back to a conversation I had with another uh, transracial adoptee, um, an Asian adoptee in the states, and this was I think it was after it it wasn't during the recording of the podcast, but um, there was some stuff coming out at the at the time the Prince Harry and 
Meghan Markle had just been on the the um, the the um, uh, the Oprah show, and there was this uh, there was this criticism going around that from them that the the British monarchy was institutionally racist, and uh, I, I so I I said well. Actually, the monarchy is nuts. I think that's the bigger problem than the fact that they're racist, right? Just my opinion. <laughs> that's the bigger problem. And and kind of my evidence for that, or the, the evidence that I put forward for, for my case, right, was the fact that um, they treated um, Princess Diana, Charles's first wife, they treated her like dirt, and she was one of them. She was an arist of aristocratic breeding and 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 descent, and and also white. Uh, and when I said that to this, so I, I, I said that to to this woman that I was talking to, and um, she 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 said that that was uh, that was white privilege for me to say that, and I thought. Hmm. So I went round again, and she she still she she wasn't going to let me off the hook, um, or she wasn't going to have a shift in her perspective. So I just I just thought, oh, okay, I, I will just leave. I just leave it. Um, but I was thinking about the the divisions that we see in the adoptee world, um, the divisions between. Um, ad adoptive parents, the non-adoptees, and um, society people wanting to people wanting to change the way uh, that the world sees adoptees. Rather, so people are kind of looking outwards rather than looking inwards. I hear um, you, and I feel like looking inwards is is more vital than looking outwards. Because when you look inwards you and you start to accept yourself and you start to accept other people, I feel like once you start reaching those stages, it makes you a more accepting person of people outside of yourself because you start realizing, wait a second, I feel insecure. They might feel insecure too or I feel a little bit uncomfortable with this, this person might also understand what it's like to be uncomfortable. So it's that sense of shared feelings then. Exactly. Is that empathy. Yeah. There's that understanding of, I feel this way, this other person also has the ability to feel this way too. Yeah. Because the, I, I read a, a I read a few books on emotional intelligence a, a while ago, and they all say it starts from within, right? We go, we go within first. We start with ourselves, not we change ourselves, not the world. Exactly, and by changing ourselves, we change the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, I, yeah, we do change the world because the world is the way that we see it. 
<laughs> it's so true. I mean, two different people can see the exact same event and have a totally different reaction and response, almost to the point where it was like there was a different event yeah. that they both saw. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. Um, this so it, I, I, I'm I'm really not sure you've 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 flummoxed me with my your your wisdom's really um what uh, sh shaking me up in a good way. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking what I need to reflect on from my own stuff yeah. in terms of I mean going in is always harder than just looking out and just like, seeing all the divisiveness and blaming people yeah yeah was it a conscious decision do you think for you to do this to look to look more inwards or was it just Something I think it was the circumstances of life that forced me to, because when I was younger, I didn't really have a lot of friends. So I spent a lot of time by myself. And by spending a lot of time by myself, I started, and I also was a bookworm. I love to read. And you get a lot of perspective through reading books. So by reading books and looking within, I started really questioning things. And I started questioning myself and started questioning my role in the world. And how do you see that? How do you see your role in the world these days? Well, I like to be, to see myself as a bridge. That's that's why I wrote the book. I'd like to, it was, you know, a uniting of two worlds. It was the idea that through writing this book, I could help people bridge the world between who they were and where they came from, help other transracial adoptees and other adoptees who are trying to bridge those two worlds of this is my family and this was my family. Who am I? Where did I come from? You know, trying to answer all these big questions that we all face as adoptees. Yeah. So how, how do you see identity for yourself these days? I just see myself as Laura. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to see, I mean, I see myself as American. I see myself as Asian. I see myself as, you know, Someone who works hard, who goes who goes to work, someone who's a writer, someone who feels things deeply. I just I see myself. So it's all kind of all encompassing. It is all encompassing. All inclusive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um is there something obviously as always listeners there'll be links to uh, Laura's socials and uh, and the book in the show notes is there some is there anything else that I've not not asked you that you'd like to to, to share I would I would like to say that um when I wrote my book it was really to try to help people who are thinking about meeting their birth parents and I would encourage anybody to do that because it's an amazing experience. It's something that will change your life and change who you are forever. I realize not everyone gets that opportunity, but if you do and you're on the fence because you're kind of nervous about it, that it's really something something worth exploring and something worth doing. Yeah. 
So we're back to that that thing about consciously going out uh, and making a conscious decision to go beyond your comfort zone, like you did when when you travelled to Arizona to go to college and also to go back to uh, um, back to to Korea to to meet your birth. Exactly. I think the more you stretch yourself, the more you learn and grow. Beautiful. You stretch me today. <laughs> Thanks well, a lot. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. It's been a wonderful hour or so. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, listeners. We will speak to you very soon. Bye. Bye.